You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikena Okeke of the Father's Church. Please join Pastor Ikena Okeke and be blessed. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, very first verse of the Bible, the Bible says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And as you go down in that very particular chapter, you begin to see the power of God, the might and the majesty of God displayed. He created, and um, we saw the way God created. It was just by speaking. Say, let there be. And the Bible say, and there was, and there still is. Praise the Lord. So we find the book of Genesis introducing God Almighty to us. Introducing the creator, the sovereign God. The one that has nothing impossible in his range. He said, is there anything too difficult for me? And the answer is still what? Nothing. Nothing has been found. Praise the Lord. And as we run through the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, we have an encounter with a God that can do whatever he wants to do, however he wants to do it, whenever he wants to do it, and with whomsoever he wants to do it. We see his power and his might reign through. And in Isaiah 40, we can open to it this morning, in Isaiah 40, we see God speaking to his people again. Maybe that forgotten by reason of some of the circumstances they had been through. At this time, Israel had been, you know, oppressed by foreign nations, Assyria, Babylon, and the rest of them. And in Isaiah 40 from verse 1, I'm going to read and jump a few verses. The Lord said to the prophet, he says, comfort, comfort, yes, comfort my people says your God. He says, speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Praise the Lord. He says, speak this comfort to the people. And he goes on. The prophet continues, says, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, saying, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Praise the Lord. We say amen to that concerning Nigeria. Isn't it? The glory of the Lord shall be revealed in our country. And all flesh, all people shall see it. All nations shall see it in the name of Jesus. He went on and says, the voice said, cry it. And he said, what shall I cry? He says, all flesh is grass. Whether the president or the uh, um, yellow fever on the street. All flesh is what? Grass. The big or the small. And all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. He says the grass withers, the flower fades, because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Verse 9 goes on. He says, O Zion, you who bring good tidings, get up into the high mountain, O Jerusalem. You who bring good tidings, lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up, be not afraid. 
Say to the cities of Nigeria, say to the people of the Father's church, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm, and carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those who are with young. Praise the Lord. That season will come in our nation. Amen. How many Nigerians are here? Praise the Lord. You know God is mindful of our circumstances. He's mindful of our situation. And surely he will arise on our behalf. Amen. Okay, verse 12, which is actually where I'm more interested. Where he begins to declare his power and his might. He begins to ask some questions. I'd like us to read together if, if it's on the screen. Yes, it is. Just come along with me. It says, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, measured heaven with a span, and calculated the dust of the earth in a measure, weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. Sila, just don't be in a hurry. Consider what they're talking about. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hands? <laughs> Measured heaven with a span. Calculated the dust of the earth in a measure. Weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. Who has directed the spirit of the Lord, verse 13, or as his counselor has taught him? With whom did he take counsel and who instructed him and taught him in the path of justice? Who taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? 15 says, Behold, the nations are as a drop in a bucket and are counted as a small dust on the scales. Look, he lifts up the isles as a very little thing. You know what 15 is saying where he says, as a drop in the bucket, we understand that. It says counted as a small dust on the scales. It means they don't affect the weight. Praise the Lord. That's, they don't need to remove them because they are not strong enough to shift the weight. The nations, praise the Lord. It goes on. It says, and Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor is beast sufficient for a burnt offering. All nations before him as nothing, and they are counted by him less than nothing and worthless. To whom then will you liken God, or what likeness will you compare to him? He said, the workman moves and he made, the goldsmith overspreaded with gold, and the silversmith cast silver chains. Whoever is too impoverished for such a contribution, choose a tree that will not rot, or chooses. He seeks for himself a skillful workman, and he prepares for himself a carved image that will not torture. Then 21, the Lord begins to speak to us again. Have ye not known? Have ye not heard? Help me ask your neighbor, have ye not known? Have you not heard? Ask another person. Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. Say he brings the princes to nothing. He makes the judges of the earth useless. This includes cabals and officers and everybody. Praise the Lord. He makes nothing of them. You look for them, you don't know where they are. 
Praise the Lord. <laughs> I remember when I came into Abuja, those 97 Abacha days. If you hear the name Bama, you, you will shake like this. You hear Mustafa, you will shake. When you hear it now, what happens? You're asking who be that? Praise the Lord. Praise God. It says, scarcely shall there be planted, scarcely shall there be sown, scarcely shall their stock take root in the earth. When he will also blow on them, when they will wither, and the whirlwind will take them away like stubble. To whom then will you liken me, or to whom shall I be equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high, and see who has created these things. Who brings out their hosts by number? He calls them all by name. By the greatness of his mind and the strength of his power, not one is missing. In this particular verse 26, the Spirit of God is not talking about people. He's talking about the galaxies. He's talking about the stars that are spread out. Up till now, man is discovering. They're still discovering and they have the privilege of calling them different names. Okay, so there are billions of galaxies and billions of stars and billions of galaxies. And they're still finding out. And this word of the Lord is saying here that God created these things. He brings them out by number. And each one, what does he have for them? He has a name for every one of them. Praise the Lord somebody. Praise the Lord somebody. The God who names the stars and who knows where every star is knows where you are. He knows exactly where you are. And he knows your name. He doesn't say seven people came. He calls you by your name and says, you came, you came. He knows where you're coming from. He says, I've inscribed your names, what? Upon the palms of my hands. And we are made to understand it's not just our name. It's everything about us. Praise the Lord, somebody. 27 says, why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. And my just claim is passed over by my God. What is happening? Someone is asking. 28 says, have you not known? Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. Any weak person here? Anybody qualify for his power? He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fail. Or fall, but those who wait on the Lord shall what? Renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, this particular chapter of Isaiah is trying to remind the nation of Israel the might and the power of the God that they serve. Of their God. Remember Israel was. Specially the Lord's. Unlike any other nation. They were a covenant nation. A people that God had demanded. That they work. You know in a particular level of dedication. To him. And he also was committed to them. And in their history as a nation. He kept on demonstrating his power. And he was leading them. As long as they were cooperating with him, his power was being made manifest. This word came to them after they had gone through a series of trials. 
you know, oppression, slavery, and all of that because of the disobedience of the people. And when the restoration was beginning to come, the people were almost weary, wondering, how can this happen? These nations are too big. We are too small. There is nothing left of us. And God was reminding them in, from here who their God was. This morning, I've come to remind somebody, your God is mighty. Your God is almighty. Your God is sovereign. Your God is powerful. Your God is great. Your God is the God who created all that you see. Praise the Lord. Everything, visible and invisible, who made them all? God created them all. And that God is your God. That is the God you have access to. But beyond all of that, the news even gets more interesting for you and I. Because the Lord was ministering to me. So he said, power is mine. But that's not what I want you to get excited about. Because you see, by virtue of his some secrets and some deep things we may never understand. Some of this power, he has allowed some people to walk in. Praise the Lord. That's why there are all kinds of people that are doing all different kinds of things. Praise the Lord. Okay, but all power still flows from God. No doubt about that. But he said, what I want you to get excited about is not just my power. My power is settled. The psalmist says, once hast thou spoken, and what? Twice have I heard that power belongs to God. So what is it about me that should drive you crazy, that should make you jump and somersault? He said, it's my love. Praise the Lord, somebody. He said, it's my love. Let me help you understand what I'm trying to say. My iPad now, the screen is cracked. The truth is that there is a type of money I would have had that has financial power. I won't be using iPad that the screen is cracked. I don't need iPad though. Let nobody think I'm soliciting. Okay? There is a type of resource I would have had. I would have changed it. You know why? I would have had the muscle, the financial muscle to replace it. Okay? But now, do you have some things in your house that even though they are broken, you have an affection for them. There is a peculiar interest that is unreasonable. I want you to begin to sense what love is. You see, love has nothing to do with power. It has nothing to do with choices. You have decided to keep this. Praise the Lord. It doesn't make sense. It's not expedient. It doesn't add up. It just does not fit in anywhere. That is why the Bible gives us the very great verse in the word of God. John 3, 16. It says, for God, so what? Loved the world. Stop there. In Genesis 1, 1, God created the world with his power. <laughs> Praise the Lord. With his power. But in John, we are being told something that has not happened before. That is unnecessary. Because you see, when man fell, we understand God said to Adam and Eve, if you eat of this, you die. Remember God said to Moses also in the moment of his intercession for the nation of Israel. He said to him, stand aside, let me kill all these people and I'll raise another generation. It's nothing for God to wipe out all creation and start again. You know that? Because he has all power. But what will make God endure a fallen creation? And begin to manage them. It's not lack of resources to replace. It is abundance of love. 
it, it is love unreasonable. That, that, that's when we begin to see what we can call unconditional. Not so much unconditional, but unreasonable. I think um, uh, Hillsong sang a song and called it reckless love. Unsense. It doesn't make sense. Your shoes are torn and everything, and then you're using you know, needle and thread to patch it. You can buy another one. He said, I love this one. Praise the Lord. God said, it's my love. You see, my power is there. No doubt about that. And it will remain forever. I am the first and the last. All power flows from me. Praise the Lord. If I say it, it is. If I say nobody, if anybody says, and I don't allow, it will not stand. Power still remains with me. But he says the marvel that people are missing is my love. You see, my love is what brings the full stop to everything about the Christian. Because he said the world, everybody in this world is a beneficiary of the power of God. The reason the sun has not collapsed on us is because the power of God said this is how you operate. This is your oscillation. This is the way you travel around the planet. The reason we are having dry season, nice and dry season, you know if the rains continued, there would have been flood everywhere. It's because God had restrained it so that his world will work. So his power has kept his world working. And there is no big deal about that. Praise the Lord. We clap and we celebrate his power. Wonderful. But he said when you think and begin to contemplate my love, that's when you begin to know what it means to really worship. And that's what happened with some men in the Old Testament who went beyond just the power of God and began to understand and comprehend the love of God. That's why a man named Abraham could trust God for how many years counting. And when he had a son, this God asked him for his son. And Abraham said, I will think about it. Is that what he said? No. He woke up early in the morning, the Bible said, and went with the lad and said, I'm going yonder to worship this God. You see, when you know the love God has for you, every breath you take will be worshipped. But you see, unfortunately, many of us are acquainted, not even acquainted, we're not even really acquainted. Many of us are desirous of his power. So every, most people, 99% of people that approach God are approaching him like they will approach a man in power, in political office. They need the assistance. The experience of many people, a few of us may have known some persons here, who have been in political office. The very next day after they leave office, the ringing of their phone drops by 99.999%. The only calls that are coming in are from MTN or Etisalat. Because people were approaching them just because of the power that they had. Because of the things they could do for them. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you see, God is saying, my people don't know me. That's why there are all kinds of schemes put to draw people to God so that they can come and take something from him. There's nothing wrong with that. He has the power. He calls himself El Shaddai, which means he's multi-breasted. He can feed all his children at every time. And the milk will still be running. Praise the Lord somebody. That is the God we serve. So he said that is not an issue. But when you stop at looking at me as God powerful, you miss the best of me. Because you see, when you begin to know my love, then you begin to come deeper. You begin to come into the pleasures. David says, at your right hand are what? Pleasures forevermore. There are delights that you just can't imagine unless you begin to enter into that love. 
And that love you enter into it by understanding, by meditation, by comprehension. You know, the Bible makes some statements that, you know, on the surface of it, it sounds, let's even look at John chapter 1 verse 1. In John 1 verse 1, the Bible tells us basically the same thing Genesis was saying to us. But, you know, it added something. They say in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things, note, all things we are made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. For says in him was life and the life was the light of men. And this light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. Okay, it goes on, tells us about John the Baptist. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. 10 goes on, he says, he, he goes back to he who was in the beginning. He said he was in the world and the world was what? made through him and the world did not know him let me help you to get a picture of what the bible is saying have you been in an environment maybe you went to an office how many of us looked for jobs for you know you did some job you know hunting at a time okay for the younger ones they might understand but anyhow you've been to an office a big you know conglomerate a big organization and as you are walking into the reception you pass by somebody and just said hi then you get into the interview board. You see somebody sitting behind a very long desk, as long as this church. And there are 12 people. And it's the person you passed that you said hi to. And that hi was very grudgingly because you were hungry, you were tired. And you see the person sitting at the end of the chair. How would you feel? Otipo, isn't it? You see, because the office, this whole office is owned by this man. But you did not know, so you treated him anyhow. If you knew he was the boss, if you met him on the road, you would say, sir, can I help you with your luggage? Can I help you with your briefcase? Can I help? Isn't that what you do? You bow down because you will know that as big as this thing is, someone made it. Someone is bigger than it. He said he was in the world and the world was made through him. But unfortunately, the world passes him by. But that's not even bad. As bad as what he, the next verse says. Look at the next verse. The next verse now says, he came to his own. And what happened? His own did not receive him. Can you imagine that? He came to his own. With all that he has, he came. Creators don't come. There's someone. Praise the Lord. One of the things that started changing the banking industry in Nigeria was when the MD stopped hanging out just on the fourth, you know, highest floor and started coming down to cash. I remember as a younger banker, we had MDs then that did days in the teller. So you come into the bank to withdraw money and it's the MD that is paying you. It transformed banking service. Because this guy has come down, but he's still in his office. But when the Bible says John 1, 11, he came to his own. He did not come from fourth floor to ground floor. He came from heaven to earth. What an awesome thing, sir. What a marvelous thing, man. You see, he came from heaven to earth. That's why the angels were still wondering what is going on. What is man? What is man? Kilonshe. Uh, what is man that you will leave heaven and come down many years ago when I, I was doing business I went to see you know somebody who was helping me with some job 
at CBN. He was the deputy governor. And he had said, come, you know, let me introduce you to the admin people. When I came to his office, the man closed his office, followed me. Or rather, I said I should follow him. We came down from his building. Went, crossed about three blocks. Went to another building where the admin, whoever was. As the man was coming in, the person we were coming to see was apologizing. Whatever made you come, I'm sorry. Why didn't you send him? I'm sorry. Just, he hasn't said anything. Just that this man left his office to come to his own. The treatment they gave me. He said, no, I had to come with this person. He's my pastor. But you see, you could see that the whole office. Why? Because somebody left high up and came down low. The Bible says Jesus left his glory in heaven and came down to earth. He didn't come to buy anything. He came to express his love for you and I. That is the love of God demonstrated. That is the love of God. He came from heaven to earth. The songwriter says to show the way. He came. He was indicating to you and I that the God, the Father that we have is not just almighty. He's Abba, Father. He's a loving Father. He's a compassionate Father. He's a Father who feels. He's a Father who touched. After creation, he could have continued with us just with his power. He could have continued with us. You know, it will be plus, minus, you know, scientific relationship. You just enter and come out. These are some of the things that helps you understand God's dealings, you know, with some of these Old Testament saints. You see a man like David. The guy was a bit troublesome also. But you see, the Bible says, God speaking of him says, I found David, what? The son of just a man, what? After my heart. You know what that means? It says we love each other. May you graduate to loving the Lord. May that become your testimony. In the name of Jesus. He says, this man will love each other. I've looked at the Bible. Do you know that Saul somehow was a more moral man than David? But he didn't understand the love of God. You see, the thing about love is that love really doesn't pay. Love is an expense. Praise the Lord. No, it doesn't pay. What was it that, you know, Saul did? He was just trying to be reasonable. You say we should kill all the bulls. He looked and he saw some extra large bulls. Praise the Lord. He said his God will need this. He didn't know the love of God. You see, love is not reasonable. Praise God. Some of us take our friends out, you know, our spouses or, you know, um, fiancés and wives. And, and you don't ask where is the cheapest place we can eat. Do you ask that? You don't do that. You know why? It's love. But if you want to buy something for yourself, you and you alone. <laughs> you Google, where is the cheapest place that I can get this thing? You know why? That one now is sense. There is no love in this one. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some persons had come in to operate in this relationship. Understanding the love God has for them. And the journey of the Christian begins with knowing that love. That is why Jesus said to Nicodemus... Unless a man be born again, he can't even see. And what is that born again? That born again is simply embracing this love. Praise the Lord. It's coming into terms with this, that the creator of the world loves you. 
that the maker of the heavens and the earth is not just the one who spoke the stars into being, who created the rivers and spoke the mountains and the birds and the animals and all of that. No, he's not just all of that. He has an affection for me. The songwriter writes and says, he's mindful of me. He's jealous for me. When you begin to understand this peculiar interest God has for you. And that is why he will say, God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have what? Everlasting life. From time to time, people have problems. I think our sister mentioned the other day. People have issues with... uh, But there are a lot of good people in the world. Must they be born again? They don't understand. The thing that is happening is that from Adam, the world is condemned. The way you're looking at me is as if you're... When Adam and Eve sinned, where were you? Hallelujah. Please, camera, turn turn and see their face. I say, when Adam and Eve sinned, where were you? You were in Adam now. How many of us have surnames now? Livingstone Cheke. That Cheke was somebody's first name. But because you were in him, because there are many of you, they have to now give qualification of the name. Your surname was somebody's, was your forefather's only name. In fact, your village name was somebody's only name. As you people multiply, they are giving series. So they say, eh, <laughs> whatever, whatever. They put the name. Is the same name. In Adam all die. The whole world lies under the sway of the wicked world. Everything in this world existing without redemption is condemned. So when the Bible tells us John 3.16. It's telling us that Jesus was sent to snatch out of destruction. So when somebody says must I be born again to be saved. You tell the person it depends on you. You're already condemned. We're all condemned. We're all lying under the sway of the wicked. We're all under the power of the enemy. We're all under the wrath of God. But God in his love said, I will not finish off. I will not allow this whole creation to wait. I will buy them back. I will redeem them. Praise the Lord. I'm going to come in and do something. And we learned here a couple of months, I think a couple of months ago, that the work of creation, as powerful as it needed, the work of redemption needed more power. But it was power demonstrated in love. That's what Ephesians begins to tell us. The power that God demonstrated when he raised Christ from the dead. Let me tell you, any builder here knows, anybody who is involved in construction, anybody who is reasonable here knows it's easier to build a fresh house than to renovate an old house. Not when the old house has issues from the foundation. Man has issues. Anyway, so Jesus came into the world as a demonstration. What needed to happen? God being holy, God being righteous, God being just, could not also with his power say, I forgive man. It doesn't happen that way. That's what a lot of us don't understand. God in all his mercies had to pay a price because if not, he will obstruct his own justice. Because the word of God says, he that sins must what? Die. And he has said to Adam, the day you eat of this, you're surely going to die. But that's not the part of it that we're touching. The part of it we're looking at here is that this. God of all the options, the option he gave. Remember in this same book, 
God wiped out an entire existence and kept eight people. So after Adam, there was a world. And then he sent Noah a message and said, I want to do a new work. You know the story. And the Bible tells us in the New Testament that Noah went about preaching to everybody. God is about to destroy this world. There is an ark. Let's get in there and be preserved for the new opportunity is given to us. How many responded to him? Seven plus himself, eight. Now, in our time, what has happened again? The son of God came down from heaven and said, I will come to where they are. I will dwell amongst them. I will go through what they go through. I will experience what they experience. I will lay down my life because at the time I am done, I will be perfectly sinless. And then when the enemy takes my life, because it is impossible for me to die because I'm sinless, then that life will now be exchanged for anybody that puts their trust in me. Praise the Lord. So he came, he walked on the earth. And when our Lord Jesus Christ came to demonstrate his love, he didn't come as a king. The Bible said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who though he was one, equal with God, did not consider something to be grasped. But coming, what did he do? He made himself of no reputation. He humbled himself as a servant, and died the death of the cross. All that he did was necessary so that redemption and the journey of faith for you and I will be easy. Now, what is happening now is this. From the moment he did what he did, a door has been opened. Praise the Lord. That we who were formerly condemned, we who, the Bible says, were enemies towards God, are now reconciled towards God. So you can just lift up your hands and say, Lord, I love you. And the hands will remain there. Praise the Lord. You can just, at any moment, you're driving on the street, you wake up in the morning, in the middle of the night, in the the middle of the day, you can just shout to God and say, Father, I love you. And heaven will say, yes, he loves you back. Praise the Lord. But you see, all that was because the bridge had been built. The reconciliation had been made. And it was made through God's love. Now I'm going somewhere. Why is this very important? It's very important because you see many of us are still looking at God and our relationship with him almost at the level where Adam was. Where God just said, don't do this. And Adam did it and we said Adam fell. Okay, so that is sin. The sin or the problem of our time now is beyond breaking a commandment. Are you with me? You see, as a nation now, how long have we been a nation? 59 years. We've had rulers, isn't it? We've had leaders. And all of them had had one thing. All of them had had power. Once they're in that office, they had power. The difference between different regimes and governments is not the power of the state. It is the love occupiers of the office had for the state. Power had remained constant, but love had been fluctuating. So there are governments when if you protest, the government will go back and say, what are they protesting about? They say, fuel price is too high. Then the government will come and say, we reduce it. They're not reducing it because they don't have power to keep it where they put it. 
They are reducing it because of what? Love they have for you. Let us pray. One of the prayers you're going to pray for Nigeria is that God will not allow anybody sit in our local government, in our council office, in our state government, in our presidency, anywhere who does not have love for this nation. It's a wicked thing. It's a, it's a terrible thing to happen. That loveless people have power. Because you know what happens is this. When people are in power and you protest and they don't have love, you know what they do? They use that power to beat you. To beat you down. So before you were shouting that 200 was expensive, they beat you so well. They, when they make it 300, if you remember the beating, you keep quiet. It's not that you like the 300. It's the, they beat you under. They have flexed their power. Now, but look at what happens there now. What if a government now comes and loves you? So you complain, 150 is too much. And then they say, okay, I will pay it. I make it free because we have the power. Okay, some states now are giving free education. Some states are still taking levy. So it's possible. These things are possible. Nigeria is rich enough to give a lot of things free. I hope you know that. Anyway, so, so this government comes and says, I now give this in free because I have the power. Now, imagine what will happen. Let's take it free education now. And then you come to the same state. You see a couple. And then in the morning, their children are cutting cassava for them. Say, Oga, madam, why is a Chukwu Emeka not in school? What would be the excuse? Is somebody hearing me? What would be the excuse? Before, the excuse would have been school fees. But you see, education has been made free. And they even give them, is it, what, what's uh, pap in Yoruba? Uh, they give them Ogi and Akara. Okay? So, what is your excuse for not sending this little boy to school? You see, what happened then is this. These people have refused to receive the love. And in that situation, punishment is only righteous. There are situations where punishment is righteous. When love has been extended. In that time now, the Spirit of God says, people don't have a problem of capacity. People have a problem of willingness. We're entering the period of uh, Christmas celebration. How many of us know that once Christmas comes, the atmosphere changes? No matter how old you are, it's just that uh, when you have children, it, it changes somehow. And then, you know, there are other things that change also. <laughs> the pressures of the time. But you see, what is happening is this. The love of God, the generosity of God, the openness of the kingdom is made aware. You know why? Because at Christmas, the angels sang joy to the world. Why? Because the hurdles have been removed. I told somebody who shout hallelujah. That's what Christmas is about. The hurdle has been removed. You want, okay, praise the Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I want to come to your house. I don't know the way. You send me directions. All the directions you send me. And I'm still trying to study the map. And then all of a sudden, you come and say, I've come to take you to my house. Will I need direction? Can I miss my way? When the person I'm going, that's what happened at Christmas. It was too difficult. It was impossible for us to come to where he was. But he came down so that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord, he would take them by the hand and what? Lead them to the father's house and say to the father, this is my... You know, going somewhere and mentioning your name is different from where you're with someone. Your name is at the gate. It's not the same as when you're driving in the person's car. That's what Christmas became for us. That's what the birth of the Savior. He came himself so that whosoever will, will not need to grope. 
to find a way. How shall I go? What am I going to do? No. You come to him. He makes you new. Gives you his life. Gives you his Holy Spirit. And takes you by the hand. And every day he's leading you on that journey. But you see, even that, because we are men, men still say no to it. I don't know if I've told you this story. I don't even, okay, I can't remember where I saw it. There's a particular child, you know, in a school who was having problems with his mathematics. I think that's a common area children have problem, you know, a few children. Having problems with his mathematics. And the teacher thought, how do I get this child to do well in his mathematics? You know what the teacher did? The teacher would announce he's going to set a test for them. And then he will write the questions and leave it on his table. And put quiz for next week's maths test. And leave it on his table. Then send that child. Please go and bring me my pen from my table. The child will go to bring the teacher's pen on the table. And then will see quiz for next week's maths test. The child will take the thing and hide. Take the teacher's paper. And then go and copy it and start studying it. And start studying it. So when next week comes, what has happened? He has prepared for the test. And he will pass it. So one day, he called the student and said to him, this thing you're doing is what I told you to start doing from beginning. Every day you come to class, what I'm teaching you. You see, but you see, the evil in man wants some evil before they want to do good. If he was not expo, the boy would never have studied. According to him, maths will be difficult. But once he saw it as expo, you see him studying. He'll go to library and solve and understand all the problems. When he's stepping into class, he's happy. He has seen Expo. But every day you go to school, is Expo. Isn't it? Every day you go to school, everything the teacher is teaching you is Expo because they're teaching you what will come out in the exam. Now, it's the same way with us. God has loved us. God has given us everything. But because it is free, because it is love, because it's not compulsion, a man being man, we're able to look at him and scoff. We're able to look at him and turn our backs on him. We're able to look at him and, you know, do all kinds of things. And that compounds the problem. Because, brothers and sisters, what else can God do? What else can God do? What else would you tell God to do? His power he has displayed. His love he has made available. He has opened the door so that anyone can come. What else will he do? There's nothing else he can do. So what begins to happen is this. The journey you and I are on now is a journey of love. It's a journey of focusing on what are you loving. You see, very important thing to understand here now. We looked at Samson, Samson last week. And we're told his background. His background was that the father, the mother, and the father had been barren for a while. And then the angel of the Lord brings news and says, you're going to have a child. And this child will be a Nazarene, a Nazarite, sorry. And, you know, no razor will touch his head. He will not drink any strong drink. He will not eat this and all of that. And it says, he will begin to deliver Israel from the Philistines. As Samson began to grow, the Bible says the Lord blessed him. Samson should have one day asked himself, this story about my birth, what is special about me? What did I do to God to love me so? You know, we have the song, I know no waiting I do, we make you love me so. What did I do? 
if he pondered on it reasonably, the conclusion he should have gotten to is this, nothing. And then what would that do for him? It will stir him up to do what? To say, you love me for nothing. I will love you for you. That's why the Bible makes us understand. He, when we love God, we only respond him because what? He first loved us. And the Bible says the love of God has been what? Shed abroad upon our hearts. So Samson should have, by meditation, by just inquiry, said to the mother, so I'm the one that an angel appeared. What is it about me? I'm going to love that God. And the Bible says, Judges 13, 25. Give us the Living Bible for those who are not on, here on Wednesday. In the Living Bible translation, the Bible says, or 24 and 25. The Bible says, God bless this Samson. And in 25, the Bible will say, And the woman bare son and called his name. When her son was born, they named him Samson. And the Lord blessed him as he grew up. Praise the Lord. Any of us here have been blessed by the Lord. The Lord blessed us as we grew up. And the Spirit of the Lord began to excite Samson whenever he visited the parade grounds of the army of the tribe of Dan. Now, what happens here is this. This man was born for something. And as he grew, God equipped him. God enabled him. And every time he was in the area of his assignment, in the area of his calling, the Bible says the Spirit of God started exciting him, exciting him, exciting him. Go to the next chapter, please, 14 now. When you get to chapter 14, they say all that excitement, he gave no response. He said hell had no fury like what? You're going to see that now. All that excitement, Samson did not respond to it. See what he responded to. One day, when Samson was in Timah, he noticed what? He did not notice the staring. He noticed a Philistine girl. Satino. And when he got home, he told his father and mother that he wanted to marry her. Continue. Two, three, four. We're going to four. Yeah. Okay, two. Thank you. Three now. They objected strenuously. Why don't you marry a Jewish girl? They asked. Why must you go and get a wife from... These hidden Philistines. Notice what is happening here. God of Israel is the one who is walking, blessing you. Why do you want to go and take a hidden and make a part of this goodness God is giving to you? But the conversation went on. They said, isn't there one girl from among your people, Israel, that you could marry? But Samson said to them, what? She is the one I want. Get them for me. Conclusion. That's English. He, this is the way he must have said. He said, get them for me. Now, what happened here is this. Love had been showed on Samson, but he was scorning the love. He took the love and said, what is this? And as his life continued, God just managed to make do with whatever he could get from Samson. I mentioned another person that you know. His name is Solomon, similar names. When Solomon was born, the Bible says, the Lord loved him. They are not, you see, this is Old Testament now. When Solomon was born, the Bible says the Lord loved Solomon. Second Samuel 12 from 24. 24 and 25 again. It says, David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and went into and lay with her. So she bore a son, and he called his name what? Solomon. Now, note that. What happens there? The Lord did what? Love this child. Love this child. And because of the love God had for the child, he sent word by the hand of Nathan, the prophet, saying what? Go and call his name what? Jedidiah. The word Jedidiah means beloved of the Lord. That's his beginning. He knows his end. He's the one that told us all his vanity. He's the one that told us that all that his eyes desired, he did what? 
He kept nothing from himself. He enjoyed. And you know the conclusion, what the Bible said about him. The Bible says, 1 Kings 11 verse 1. Put it on the screen so we all see it together. It says, now, King Solomon what? Loved many foreign women. Help me tell your neighbor, it's all about love. From the moment Jesus came, it's not about ability. It's not about intellect. It's not about capacity. It's about what you love. And the danger now is that Christians are not being taught to love God. Whereas one thing that runs through from Old Testament to New Testament is what God demands of us. They ask Jesus in the New Testament, what is the one thing that we should do? He says what? Help me. Thou shalt what? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy strength, with all thy might. And then in the New, he says, and love your neighbor as yourself. You know why? That is the main thing. That is the conclusion because God has brought a dimension to this that will make him angry. You know, when people say love is unconditional, in a sense, at the beginning, but a love that is offered that is not accepted, what can you do? Will you be a kidnapper? You love the sister, the sister doesn't love you. You buy all the gifts, you see her sharing it to her friends. Praise the Lord. What will you do? There's nothing you can do. So Solomon was a beneficiary of the, you know, particular, special, you know, peculiar love of God. And God blessed him, you know that. God blessed Solomon beyond imagination. God blessed him with wisdom. God blessed him with wealth. God blessed him with peace in his reign. The man fought no war, yet he took over territories. I don't know. I mean, that, that is what God does when he loves a man. But then this man, this man could not love God back. He could not love God back. And so he had a regrettable end. And so you read the uh, Hall of Fame. You don't see his name there. The richest man. The only thing they tell us about him is that the flowers of the field sputtered better than him. Solomon in all array was not close. Telling us that when a man ends his life and has not reciprocated God's love, he has wasted life. And it's not that one now where somebody can say, you had gifts, I didn't have. We're not talking about gifts yet. We're not talking about morality here. We're not talking about it. We're talking about affection. We're talking about deep affection. When somebody becomes a Christian, what should happen to him utmost is that this person comprehends God's love for him and says, I will love you back. That's what makes a Christian. Now, the other things that come from it, you know, not stealing, you know, not doing this, are outflows of love. Because if you've been in love here before, you know that love makes you do things and love makes you not to do things. Some of us are married. You marry, you know, you like air conditioning. Your wife doesn't like air conditioning. You're in trouble. You know, now so you go to wipe sweat. And never day, you can't put on AC. Praise the Lord. It's as simple as that. God has demonstrated his love and is eager to demonstrate more. But he's calling you and I. He's saying to us, do what? Receive my love. Receive my love so that you can enter into my pleasures. Heaven is looking over you and he's saying, you don't have a power problem. Some of us are saying, Lord, is no, that is why our Lord Jesus can say to us, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his word. You know why that is so? If you love me, he said, what will you do? You will keep my commandments. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what will happen? Oh, I will give you gifts. I will give you everything. I will bless you. I will take care of you. But 
can you love me back? And remember, please, brothers and sisters, on this journey, there is that person, some of us had them in school, who are called spoilers. This is the devil. Job and God were having their beautiful love relationship. God said to Satan, Satan, what are you doing? He said, I'm just moving up and down. May he move up and down concerning. Let him not park in your area. In the name of Jesus. I'm just walking up and And God said to Satan, have you considered Job? Can you see what is going on between he and I? And Satan said to God, this is very important for every believer here. Satan said to God, he said, does Job fear you for nothing? If Satan said that, it means that I'm expected to fear him for nothing. The test was what? Does Job what? Fear you. You can replace that word with love you for nothing. I've said it here. Nobody, no human being, Wants to be loved for what he gives. You give in love. But you don't want that to be the reason why. So Satan said. I mean. Even anybody will do what Job is doing. If you did for them what you're doing for Job. Have you not built an hedge round about him? Have you not blessed all that he has? And so God said. Is that what you're talking about? No I and Job we are in love. This is a love thing. I love Job. Job loves me. It's our relationship. And God said okay go and test him. That's what happened. The truth is that today, some of us, when that test is thrown to us, we do what the world calls backslide. And then Satan says, I told you, but that will not be your portion. In the name of Jesus. I say that will not be your portion. In the name of Jesus. Job declared to the heavens and to Satan. He says, I love God for him. I love God for him. And that was the path that men like Abraham... Men like now, all these men, the heroes of faith, they showed to us that what we want to pursue after is love for God. So in the New Testament, John begins to write to us, as I try to round up. John begins to write to us, he says to us, I beg you. He said, do not love the world, nor the things that are in the world. For if any man loves the world, he says what? The love of the Father is not in him. What's he saying? He's saying that love is exclusive. Praise the Lord. Love is mutually exclusive. I can't say I love the Father. And then I'm also loving the world. Have you wondered that in the Old Testament, the major, what was the major sin that, you know, people were accosted with in the Old Testament? What was the major sin? Idolatry. 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 What was the major sin in our own time now? Eh? Sorry? Eh? Corruption. <laughs> yes? Okay, corruption. Yes, your corruption. Corruption is getting what things that do, don't belong to you. But you know the Bible says there is nothing new under the sun. In essence, it means that if the weight, if the median or the conversant sin under the old covenant was idolatry, it means that in the new is the same thing. But it is wearing a different garb. It's idolatry. What has happened is this. In the Old Testament, the idols were carved. The idols were kept in some place. And people went and knocked their heads down before it. Now, these idols are in different places. They're on the phones. LG has them. Samsung has them. Mercedes has them. They're in Maitama, Asokoro, Dubai. Idols. Idol is anything that will make you turn your heart from the love of God. The list of the idols isn't finished. You know one modern idol that we don't know? That idol is me. Nobody called me. 
So I'm not going to church. Who be you? Nobody loves me. So I'm angry. Who are you? What should make you angry? Is that they don't love God. When the Bible tells us of Phinehas, who got angry and ran with a spear. Did he run with a spear to strike the Israelite and the Moabite woman because they didn't love him? Because they were offending God. There's a new idol. It's you. It's you. It's me. Everything we do is about ourselves. And the altar is satisfying that idol. So programs are held in churches and you're coming to worship you. Your breakthrough. Your end of year. Your last minute. Your overtake. Your double-double. Who, who are they worshipping? Idolatry is here now. It's painted in so, so many ways. They call it multiple blessing. They call it peculiar anointing. They call it yesterday, today miracle. They call it all kinds of things. But the reason you're coming to church, you're going for that camp, you're going for that one week, you're doing everything you're doing. It's not about that God, it's about you. So that he can give you the money to buy the house. He can give you the promotion. At the end of the day, who is being worshipped? And remember, as I round up, all those things had been here before Jesus came. So they are not a problem. The hidden, they have those things. Every time I see Christians, you know, getting over their heads for prosperity, I feel for them. If you visit Dubai, you will never pray for prosperity again. Because which God did they pray to? It won't worry you. I mean, you can praise. We, we have, be anxious for nothing. Praise the Lord. But in everything, by prayer and supplications, make your request known to God. and the peace. We, we can pray for anything. But you see, it, it won't make you anxious. That's not why you come to God. You come to God because he came to you. You come to God because he looked at all creation and said, I don't care anything about them. I want to live in you. He said to David, he said, have I requested a house? Have I said somebody should build me a paneled house? All I'm looking for, he said to us, he said, I'm looking for somebody I can live in. God wants to come. Our Lord Jesus Christ says, he who sent me is always with me. What does God want? He wants to be with you. He's looking for a friend. When Adam and Eve fell, one thing God missed was that God used to come down and fellowship with man. He's looking for somebody who will wake up in the morning, no matter the circumstances of his environment, he will turn his gaze to him. And not in murmuring and complaints, but in adoration and in worship, exalting him. Tell him you are king over kings. You are Lord over Lord. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter the nation. It doesn't matter anywhere. He reigns supreme. God is still looking for in this time, he says the father is seeking for those who will worship him well. In spirit and in truth. He's desiring men that will love him and long for him for him. Why? Because he also came for us. Jesus' coming was not to create. He could have created anything where he was. With his words. But he was trapped nine months in the womb. Jesus made furniture. And collected money. Waiting. Fulfilling purpose. All in expression of love. We marvel that Jacob served 14 years. Jesus for 30 something years. He walked on an earth that he didn't need to walk on. Let's rise on our face. Give him your heart. Give him your heart. I repent of the sin of I. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Say I, idolatry. The sin of worshipping me. 
everything about me. Why do you go to that church? It's about you. Not that you meet God there. Miracles happen there every day. Why do you do that? Ah, hey, you know, when I went there, this is how they received me. There's a brother now, you know, some, somebody who was in this church. He's somewhere now. He's attending Mormon. And his reason is that when he went, they showed him love. I said, there is love in bars. The Oyubo people showed me so much love. That means you, you never met God. Because when Joseph went to Egypt, the Oyubo people didn't show him love. And he fulfilled destiny. I want you to talk to God. Lord, I give my love back to you. Thank him for loving you. Lord, I thank you for your, the power of your majesty. The awesomeness of the creation. I thank you for the stars. The world that you have created. Your mighty power. But Lord, I'm besides myself when I think that you love me. That you love me. That you love me. Why should I keep my love back from him? I look at myself. I don't know about you, but I look at myself. Where would I have been? What would my life have been? What could I say of myself? If not that the love of God has captured me. I'm here because he loves me. And this love, I want to hold it. I want to drink it. I want to eat it. I want to sit on it. I, I, want, I, I, just, I want to revel in this love. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. He, he loves me. Sister, he loves you too. It doesn't matter. Someone has disappointed you. A man disappointed you. But the son of God loves you. He says, I stand at the door of your heart. He says, even when we are faithless, he abides faithful. When we turn our backs on him at a stage in our life, he's still there. He doesn't say, I've tried to save you. I'm no longer saving you. He's long suffering towards us, waiting for us. Some of us is giving us several opportunities. We turn our back on him over and over again. But he's still pursuing us. Because his love is unending. His love is unending. This morning I've come to tell you the marvel of his love. And it's not to your neighbor, it's to you. It is to you. He loves you. Your circumstances don't in any way deny his love for you. If you would open up your heart, you will enter into realms of experience. You enter into places where God wants to bring you to. Where you can know heaven on earth. Where you can know glory immeasurable. Where you can know bliss, beauty beyond what you can compare. It is the love of Jesus in the heart of a man. Christmas season we're entering into. It's not a babe in the manger. Christmas is about Jesus in the hearts of men. That's why the Bible says Christ in us is glory assured. I, I want you just have some private moment. However you want to respond. You can tell him Lord I receive your love. You can tell him Lord I love you. You can tell me, Lord, I appreciate your love. And while we're saying that, there may be somebody who came to church today. And I'm sure this may not be your first time in church. But you never really understood it. And you come to church and you go. And you come to church and you go. And you're making analysis. You're reasonable. But you don't understand. Love is not reasonable. Love is purely emotional. And with that emotion, there are acts of dedication. Jesus came to this world to dedicate and to demonstrate 
The Bible says God has demonstrated, has commended his love. There is a demonstration for love. It starts from the heart, but the hands and the feet and everything works in that direction. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-158404. You can find us online at www www.thefatherschurchonline.org God bless you